Welcome back to episode 25 of Following Noadon, a Stormlight podcast. We've been doing this for 25 weeks, gentlemen. We are going wow. through chapters 6 through 8. How are we feeling? Awesome. I was feeling good till I started reading the chapters and then, oh. I will I will play a clip from 2 weeks ago. Uh oh no. Now I'm excited to get to that, if we get to that. Who knows? Maybe Shalon and, and Yasna sink in the ocean, don't even make it, but <laughs> I'm excited. All right, we can we can wrap it up there. Elliot, you are were exactly right. We didn't quite get to the Shattered Plains. We kind of sunk. Uh, any, yep. any thoughts on that perfect <laughs> yeah, prediction kinda. before we jump right it, before we jump into this one? That, that did not even enter my mind that that was going to happen. Like, I, I totally thought that the drama was going to come after we got to the Shattered Plains. It didn't even occur to me that they were going to have some kind of catastrophe along the way. And then, yeah, like three chapters after I just say that jokingly. And yeah, yeah. they sunk. It was like the hypothetical anything could happen. And exactly. And exactly what he said happened. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what can I say? I'm just too good at this prediction thing. Yeah. Even when I'm not trying, yeah. I just. Spot on. It's just spot, it's spot just on. Thing. All right. Can I have two words to describe chapters six, seven, and eight? We'll start with Paul. You certainly can. Uh, for for chapters six, seven, and eight, my two words are fear and persuasion. Fear, persuasion. Uh, Elliot, do you have two words? Mine are rather similar. Illumination and illusions. Illumination illusion fear and persuasion correct is that correct mm -hmm. yep. all right let's discuss those all righty I'll let you guys talk about your words here in a second. However, something moderately related that I wanted to bring up, I got mail. And I can show you this because it comes at a perfect time for our podcast because if it wasn't, it would be spoilers. But we're that far, so we're good. Nice. I backed the Wave Kings Kickstarter and I got my first reward today, or yesterday, and it is the Bridge 4 poster, and they're all in Colin Blue uniforms, so that's why it's it would be a minor spoiler if this came any earlier. But let's see if I can hold this up in a way that you could see it. But this is the first uh, reward for the Wave Kings um, Kickstarter. There's, it's kind of hard to show this all at once, but nice. Yeah, yeah, very I'm, nice. I'm very happy with it. It's very big. It's like yeah, it looks about as big as you are. That's me. Like, yeah. <laughs> this will that's be awesome. hanging up on my wall shortly, but I didn't have time to put it up yet. So, yeah. I just wanted to show so, that off. So who all's on there? Does I have Rock and Sigzil and? Um, don't look at it too close because there is yeah. one one spoiler on here. <laughs> But okay. <laughs> yes, everybody who you think be on there is on there. Plus one. Got okay. it. 
Well, this one. All right. I just want to show that off. I'm very happy with it. Very nice. All right, Paul. Let's talk show about. Off. Yes. <laughs> oh, believe me. When I get my when I get my leather-bound way of kings, you'll be seeing it, and you'll be seeing it a lot. So uh, yeah. be prepared. Okay. All right, okay. uh, Paul. Let's talk about your two words. Yes. So my two words, first of which are is fear. And it's partly because of Shalon's fear in the first two chapters here, or the the fearful things that happen. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of bad stuff happens to her. Um, and also goes into the Kaladin chapter, which we'll talk about a little bit, um, where Kalinar kind of uses some fear tactics almost. On the same avenue, my other word is persuasion, and it's mostly for, for that, as well as... Um, I guess Shalon tries to persuade the boat. Um, yes, she does. Which is, kind of, which is kind of funny. But yes, those are my two words. Okay. Uh, Elliot, what are your two words? So my two words were illumination and illusions. And I picked these almost exclusively for the Shalon chapters. There was... Maybe a tiny bit in the the Dalinar chapter where I could where I could tie into this. There's the discussion about shard blades and how a shard bear can kind of lend their shard blade to someone else and like will it to still exist for them, almost in kind of like an illusion type way. Although he actually has a shard blade, so not, not a great parallel. I was primarily thinking of the Shalon chapters for these. We we on's other ability in addition to soul casting is illumination and this ability she has to use light to do different things or and make illusions and we see her make this figure that is a sort of illusion but i i thought too of kind of the discussion about that she and pattern have about light and shadow and truth and lies and how you can illuminate something but maybe that what you just illuminated is actually an illusion and kind of the dichotomy there so that was why gotcha I think I think I want to talk about chapter 8 first just to kind of get Dalinar's chapter out of the way and then we can we can talk about Shalon uh here in a little bit cuz there's quite a bit in the Shalon or the Shalon chapters and I want to uh not feel like we're we're rushed trying to get through them. We can skip down to chapter 8. Any first impressions on this Dalinar chapter? I pull a lot of notes, honestly, in this chapter. I mean, there were a, a few things of note, I think. There was the, the bit about the shard blade that I mentioned, a few things about Dalinar and his relationship with the other high princes. We meet another one of the, the high princes, Aladar. I, th- I think that, that seems mm-hmm. like a pretty straightforward name. So Yeah. Uh, um, but honestly, it just kind of seemed like it was, it was progressing the plot a little bit, just kind of you know, moving things along without too many earth-shattering revelations here in this chapter. I don't know. What did you think, Paul? Yeah, I was going to say pretty similarly. We we see Dalinar. He's kind of putting his foot down with every everyone. Um, he's getting his way, which could be good or bad. Um, well, at least with the way he's being pretty pretty forceful. Like I said, my, my two words were fear and persuasion. I feel like he uses fear to persuade Aladar and kind of goes pretty 
stern with him. But yeah, uh, overall, it wasn't the most notable chapter. I mean, it was a normal, normal chapter. A couple things that I just wanted to highlight in this chapter. Uh, first, he this is the first bridge run that he's trying his new tactic. He he tries he he calls two of the high princes to go on this run. Aladar and Roian, I believe. And Aladar shows up and Roian does not. And so Adolin goes on the run instead to back up Aladar. And Dalinar and Aladar are talking back and forth, having like a couple conversations about the battle, a couple conversations about the new tactics, etc. And Dalinar threatens him. He says that if you don't if you don't listen to me, I'm I'm tired of not being listened to. If I'm as High Prince of War now, if you don't listen to me, as I, there, he throw, he drops a name and it's somebody who Sadius dueled back in the day and um, dueled to the death, that type of thing. And so he just straight straight up threatens him. Um, any any thoughts on this from Dalinar's character? He mentions how. Uh... Gavilar was kind of the one to bring people together almost by will. He says like by, you know, words and like provoking action. And he says that Donner says he was the one to kind of, you know, what it was like carrots and sticks almost approach. Like um, he was going to go in and, you know, beat you to get in line in a sense you know right. he was gonna take action more forceful action rather than try and persuade you and i think this is kind of just showcasing that he's not an eloquent speaker and, and that type um but yeah pretty much yep that's that was kind of my my takeaway too on that was dalinar's his, his focus is shifting he's He's, he's turning from now war-focused. He's letting Adolin lead the army. He's letting Adolin handle most of the tactics, at least. And he's focusing more on the, the diplomacy, if you will. But he's still not very good at diplomacy. Right. He's not very good at, at persuasion, like you like you mentioned, Paul. So he, he just ultimately just has to resort to threatening. And yeah, hopefully he gets better at this. Yeah, historically, Dalinar is the the soldier, the general, the the warmonger, if you will. And as he's trying to step back and let Adolin start taking the the army, and he's trying to be the politician, he's not very good at it. And he's just he's just going to use brute force until he can figure out a way to motivate the high princes to do what he wants. Any other thoughts from this chapter? We moment where Dalinar wonders to himself why the Parshendi Shardbearer is not joining the battle. He sees the Shardbearer like adjoining plateau, and he recognizes the Shardbearer. It's the same one he fought in the in the battle at the end of of Way of Kings. But he kind mm-hmm. of wonders why why are they not sending him in? Why are they holding him back? Like, what's the tactical reasoning for that? And I'm still wondering that the the same as as he is. The Parshendi don't seem to be making a whole lot of logical tactical choices. So again, I think there's there's some other factor at play here that's that's compounding this for the Parshendi to make them do thing, but I'm not really sure what it is. 
that was it. Yeah, I think that's totally fine. There isn't terribly much to this this chapter. It's just showing the first the first plateau run. It's sort of successful. I mean, they do win, but that's because Dalinar had to step up with Adolin's army, and because Royan didn't respond to the to the bridge run. So, alrighty, let's go back to chapter six and chapter seven. So, I mean, let's get this out of the way first. Um, Yasna appears to be dead. Any like what? Yes. <laughs> yes. Any any thoughts Great. on this? Do you guys think she's actually dead? Were you, did you see this coming? Any? Let, let's talk about Yasna's death real quick, and we'll go back and go a little slower. One quick thought before I guess the more real thoughts. I just have to get this out there. So we made our prediction that Yasna is not real. And <laughs> true. Since she died right in the middle of the ocean, I was going to go with the whole, like, you know, if a tree falls in the woods and no one hears it. <laughs> so if she dies in the middle of the ocean, you know, no one survives. Like, was she ever there? You know, Did like, it really is happen? She real? Is she true. real? So. This could all be in Shallan's imagination, and she just woke up on the shore and. Very well, kid. Yeah. So, you guys ready for another crazy theory? Well, I'm ready. Yes. Very ready. All right. I'm going to have to reference a few other things in these chapters. So, we might jump around a little bit. We'll have to go back to kind of the start and, and work our way through it. But, yeah. Okay. Jumping to Yasna's death. My theory. My theory on this, and this is not the crazy part. My 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 theory on this is that she's not dead. I'm sure there's other people that may maybe be be thinking that as well. There's there's enough here to maybe hint at something fishy going on. When when Shalon walks into the room afterwards, Yasna's body is not there, and it, you could easily explain that as you know the the marauders or whoever these are you know took the the body with them when they went up to the the top of the the ship. It's, so the, there could be an explanation for that, but that that right there got me a little bit suspicious. I I felt like this was maybe oversold a little bit when when I read the epigraph at the beginning of the chapter. I immediately knew Yasna was going to die because of, of it was in Navani's journal. She's talking about you know this death broke me, and I was like, oh, that can only be Yasna. That has to be Yasna dying, and so. Knew it was coming. I knew I was supposed to be, you know, emotionally involved in this, and I was. It was pretty surprising. I was not. I did not see that coming uh, ahead of this chapter. But the crazy part is, I think Yasna is in Shadesmar. She did not die, but I think she has split her consciousness into multiple parts. All those multiple parts are in Shadesmar. And here's why. Okay. When Shalon goes into that room and she goes into Shadesmar, she notices, I think this is the first time we're learning this, that like the minds of other people show up as like these dim lights in Shadesmar. Mm -hmm. So she can see that like the, I'll call them pirates or whoever they are, are up on the, the, the deck. She can see them. She can see the other the sailors and kind of get an understanding of what she knows is what she sees is going on. She notices very specifically that surrounding her feet are lots of little lights. And she 
she guesses in the moment that these are fish, that these are the minds of fish maybe swimming around her. Mm -hmm. I wonder if those were not fish, but somehow like the little bits of Yasna's mind and somehow like in the moment of, of dying was able to like retreat her consciousness into Shadesmar, perhaps like breaking into a lot of pieces in, in so doing that. So I think that she's, her body might be dead here, but perhaps her mind is still exists. Maybe there's a chance here that she could like come back later on as, I don't know, in Shadesmar or, or Shalon can maybe encounter her later on in Shadesmar, something like that. It seems crazy, but as I was reading through it, I kind of was like, ah, uh, I wonder. Maybe she'll become a sprint. Or, yeah, Maybe something exactly the, like that, actually, is what I'm thinking. Is, did she... Like, unironically, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I laughed, she... so I had to clarify. I didn't laugh. I, 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 I smiled. There's the difference. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So, a lot of, lot of words there, but this is my new crazy theory. Okay. Paul, okay. do you think Yasna is dead? I, I was going to say, I, I did want to chime in, so... I do think she's dead. Um, however, if she is alive, I think I, I, I could, I bet I could guess how she would come back or when she would come back. Um, I think whenever this is, actually, maybe I don't. Never mind. <laughs> it, it'd have to be some, some like you know, Shalon like gets to the shattered planes. And they're like, "Who are you?" And then Yasna shows up, and she's like, "She's Shalon." Like and like sticks it out for her or something, you know. Is there whenever right. Shalom really needs like Yasna, like kind of she comes back? I could see that happening. Um, I would be a little upset, I guess, if Yasna lives. Not that I don't. This isn't. A, I don't like Yasna. <laughs> I was very upset when she died, but I think it would be a little bit too much plot armor if she gets stabbed on the boat and the boat just vanishes in the middle of it, like in the ocean. And then she just like appears back. The shade smart thing is like literally the only way, like if it's like she hung on and like, you know, floated to shore, like I would feel like that'd be a little bit of a stretch. Sure. But yeah, I, I do think she's dead. Long story short, I, I went off a, w a bit there, but yes, I do think that Yasna is dead. Okay. If you if you think about it from a purely plot and like plot archetypes scenario, her her dying here actually makes a lot of sense. That this is following mm -hmm. a very traditional apprentice meets the master, learns a little bit from the master, but then master dies, and now apprentices on their own with a little bit of of knowledge having to now live up to this, you know, man, like carry on their legacy kind of thing. Like this is this is a very you know well explored type of story here so that that makes a lot of sense actually to have yasna die here in formative in shalon's life you know this could be a defining moment for her of her having to step out from underneath the the wing of yasna and become her own person so i i think i'm with you paul i probably think she is dead or if she's still around it's some crazy version like i was talking about where her mind like maybe exists in shadesmar still but her, her body's dead. She can never come back to the, the physical realm, but kind of like in know. Star Wars, like, like you, you live on as a force ghost. Yeah. Yeah. 
She's a forest ghost. She's totally. A, she's a spren ghost. Yeah, spren shade shades my ghost. Yeah. Ellie, you're talking about like, as far as plot goes, it makes sense that she dies here, and you're right because we just had two or three chapters, three or four chapters actually, of Yasna actually answering questions. We had a lot of a lot of Knights Radiant dump of yep. information and information and information. Yep. And Shalon's, and I'll get back to this in a second, but Shalon has been set up with Adolin via Yasna. So she has kind of passed the torch to Shalon as setting her up for success, and then she dies. So the... I understand. I understand why you wouldn't think she'd be dead here, and I also do understand why you would think she would would be dead here. So there's there's that. I, I gotta say, I actually did not see this coming until I read the the epigraph of the chapter like ahead of time. I wasn't thinking or preparing myself for for having to lose Yasna. I, I thought we were gonna get to the shattered plane, see a lot more, you know, politics and and that kind of stuff first, and then we might. And lose a character but thinking back on this i probably should have seen this coming for two reasons one we didn't lose anybody in wave kings no major characters anyway we lost a few kind of minor characters but as far as major characters nobody died so we were, dunny, we were probably go ahead paul saddest, I, I was just saying dunny dunny was the saddest one yeah that was my saddest one for sure but yes you're right no no major characters some sad moments, but we, we, it was probably high time to lose a major character. And in the chapter before this, Shalon even has a moment where she says, oh, I've stumbled into the perfect life. Everything is awesome. All my problems are solved. This is great. That should have been one that something bad is about to happen right now. And I didn't see it coming. Isn't it like to say, I think, isn't it like the next sentence? Where, where Shalon is thinking, "Wow, what what a great life!" And then she falls asleep, and then she wakes up to smoke and fire, and you know, people banging on her door. Or is it the chapter previous to that? I think I thought that was when all that was happening. I have to go back and look. I'm not sure. I think the perfect life bits in the middle, but I don't remember. Maybe it is. Paul, do you want to say something? Yes. Well, um, on the topic of, of Yasna dying, I guess. So, like, in that moment, I really thought I was going to have a bigger prediction come true. Well, kind of, I think, joint with Elliot, right? We were saying that Shalon's going to be forced to use her shard blade. Yeah. And uh, it was so, like, when I was reading that, I was so ready for it. I was so ready for it. It was so, like, pointing to it with a... Uh, Pattern, yep. by the way, Pattern is very funny in the audiobook. Um, it, the voice, at least, that I forget her name, Kate Redding. Kate Redding, yes, all right, let's go. Um, like Kate Redding uses for Pattern is actually pretty funny. Um, but yes, he keeps saying, Oh, also, that was something I wanted, wanted to bring up. That was a big question of mine that I guess Pattern knows Shalon has a shard blade. I don't know how. I mean, he's his friend, so didn't think about it too much, but um, that was kind of wild. Anyways, I really thought Shalon was going to 
like pull it out there she kind of like didn't out of fear right um and i was ready for it i was really excited for that that little prediction to come true i thought it was gonna happen as talking about the shard blade real quick as far as we know shallan hasn't summoned it the shard blade in years like we haven't seen we haven't seen her summon it she's obviously scarred she doesn't want to summon it to the point where there's three marauders outside her door killing yasna and she still doesn't summon the blade like she's she still refuses to summon it so how long has pattern been with her to know that she has a shard blade she doesn't mention it to anybody she doesn't she doesn't summon it at all so how does pattern know that she's a shard blade how long has he been with her i just was under the assumption that he would know who has a shard blade who doesn't like not he's been with i didn't actually think of that as a possibility but that's kind of wild if pattern has been around all those years um to know um but yeah, I just assumed he knew she had a shard blade, and that was my question. Like, how does do Sprint know, or do these more significant Sprint know? That was actually my my thought. My first time through was just without thinking about it. I read through that as, well, maybe it's obvious to Sprint that people have you know shard blades. But then reading back through, I I did question that a little more. Like you're saying, of wait a second, how does he know? But we got hints in the the previous chapter as well. So all that happens in chapter seven. But in six, knows part of Shallan's past, or or he can like somehow he's involved with her past, and that reminded me a lot of Sill. Sill has like these broken memories with Kaladin going back like long before we met Sill, and so here's another example of he has somehow they've interacted or been around each other for a lot longer than they realize. Like in Shalon's case, maybe a lot longer, like 10 years or something like that. We don't know when this, when these memories are that Shalon is trying to like fight back as they start to come. But if pattern was there, has he been around for a decade? Wow. I believe Shalon is 19 in these, um, in this book she's the same age as kaladin and she's she yeah she's having memories of quite a lot quite a while ago so but yeah i i thought in that moment for sure as i was reading that that shard blade was coming out eh, gonna come to right there that here's yasna in this moment she she's being murdered and here come these guys right after shalon shalon's life is in danger and she's still won't pull this blade out like man so close yeah and pendant's like sword and yeah like won't he just keeps saying it over and over and at what so what will it take for shallan to summon her blade when do you guys think it's gonna happen what what's gonna what's gonna prompt her if this doesn't i think it's gonna be like what prompted her to steal the soul caster uh, back with Yasna. Okay. She, someone's going to have to make her mad. Like some something's going to have to upset her. It's not going to be out of fear or something like that, but out of like 
a justification almost for it. Like a more aggressive emotion than than fear. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah. That's a good thought. I like that. Elliot, you kind of mentioned it a second ago, but we can go back to the epigraphs. You've noticed that the epigraphs are far more cut and dry than the Way of Kings epigraphs. We didn't really know the context of the Way of Kings epigraphs until the last chapter with Zeth, but uh, these ones seem pretty straightforward. They're excerpts from the the Journal of Navani after... So sometime after this has happened, and she's recounting the events of what's happening now. You wanna do you wanna talk about it a bit? Yeah, I've been kind of enjoying this, but also a little infuriated by this at the same time. So in, in Way of Kings, the the epigraphs, almost all of them, are completely irrelevant to the first time reader. Like it got to the point where I almost didn't even like read them or think as I was reading them, because it was like reading means nothing move on words of radiance is completely different one because they're labeled with something that that means something to us vani's journal and they're referencing events that we're seeing either in words of radiance or that we've seen already in way of kings and so more closely and picking up on stuff like for instance that chapter seven where where yasna dies the journal entry is Navani like talking about her grief and that immediately clued me into, Oh, something, you know, somebody's going to die here. And so they seem way more relevant and important to what's actually going on. But at this time, I'm a little, I'm a little cautious about some of this because some of it seems to be obvious, but I'm wondering if it's not like, there's a lot of references to the Parshendi and how, they changed and oh they were this bigger threat than we thought they were going to be and and all this stuff and part of me is like okay we're expecting that is that like leading us down the wrong path now i i don't know i'm i'm now doubting that they're too relevant or too obvious we'll see i guess i think it'd be i think it's kind of interesting that the first book of the series the epigraphs are completely out of context and then the second book of the series, he takes it easy on you and gives you all yeah. of these these freebies. It's like, oh, this is this is very specific and very easy to understand. I think yep. I've still been in the mindset from the Way of Kings of like, oh, it's some random quotes. So I haven't actually listened to them very carefully. So <laughs> I'll, I'll do that a little more going forward. I definitely did catch on to that since it said it was from the Journal of Navani Kulin. All right. We've jumped around quite a bit. Do we need to go back and maybe kind of step through some of the stuff in Chapter 6? Yeah. Let's do it. There's a couple specific details in Chapter 6 that I'd like to highlight. Shalon is... And we've seen this before, but Shalon is deliberately pushing away memories. When when Pattern brings them up, and she's actually she starts to summon this illusion of like a plant or something. And what's the sailor's name? I don't remember. Yalb. Yeah. Yalb. Yalb walks over and is like, "Yo, what was that? What did you?" 
what are we looking at here? Because like there's a little glowy plant in front of her, and then like she like dismisses it. But y'all, as as Shalon is talking to Pattern, and these memories are coming up, she's she's deliberately pushing them away, and we've seen her do this before. So, first of all, any any thoughts on any thoughts on deliberately not thinking about? your past and what that could do to a person. Well, clearly, I think you might've said it there, Trevor, clearly she's suppressing these memories that she has. She, she's got something dark in her past. We've known this for a while now. We know that her father's dead. And at the end of way of King, she admitted that she killed her father. Although I'm a little unsure now, if maybe that, I'm confused as to whether it's just Shalon thinks she's responsible for the death of her father or literally at my hand, I killed my father kind of thing. So unsure there, but clearly at least probably more than one event or past now is something that she's really terrified of, really terrified of and is fighting really hard not to remember them. I'm trying to, oh yeah. So in, in chapter seven, there's even a moment where she's like cowering in fear because of the the men that are outside her room, like trying to, to barge in and, and kill her. And, and she says, this is terrifying, but nothing could compare to what she had to do the night her father died. That That's a not quite the quote, but it, but it's close. Like, yeah. Whatever's in her past is even more terrifying and horrible than what she's going through right then, where she just witnessed Yasna be murdered, be killed right in front of her, and these men are coming after her with, you know, torches and pitchforks. Basically, whatever's in her past has to be terrifying. Yeah. I believe it's in chapter six still. But we see her use Stormlight. And yet Shalon doesn't really know what's happening. Yasna kind of does. So when Shalon is in her room, she's got spheres in her goblet that are two storms old. And she's going to switch them out with the ones in her safe pouch, which are one storm old. But the Stormlight is done in the spheres that she has on her. And she doesn't really know what's happening, but as a reader, we've read the Way of Kings. We can we can put two and two together and figure out that, oh, this is the same thing that Kaladin did. Back in when he was running bridges, he was accidentally using Stormlight. Shalon is summoning this glowy plant thing in front of her, and that's using her Stormlight. And she does something similar in Chapter 7 when the men are trying to barge into her room. She summons this little illusion, Elliot, that you talked about earlier. It runs up up the, the stairs or whatever, and the guys uh, run after it. So we don't really know how those powers work, like what the rules are exactly, but that is basically her second power so far, is she can summon little lights. She loves Christmas time, I bet. <laughs> um, one thing that I thought was really interesting, I... I believe this was in chapter six. I could be wrong. Um, but Yasna and Shalon are talking, and I thought this was very interesting about how. Well, it's uh, sure not in chapter seven, I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> eh, fair Too point. Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> fair point. 
Um, so Yasna was saying about how um, there are beginning to be more and more surge binders and mm-hmm. and and things like that. How the Knights Radiant are basically being remade. Um, and I guess I wanted to know a little more about your thoughts on that. I thought it was super cool and made me kind of excited going forward. Well, excited in that we're probably going to see more people like Shalon, Yasna, Kaladin pop up um, as we go forward. Um, but also it's because there's like an imminent threat on the horizon. So not cool in that aspect. Um Define imminent threat because there's a couple. Which one are you referring to? Um, the basically the whole deal with the void bringers that Yasna was talking about. Okay, her she's researching and that you know, that's gonna be that plus the I forgot his name, but our herald that we met at the end of the book, saying that the desolation has come. Mm-hmm. Whatever the desolation is, that whole that whole deal. It's kind of it's kind of foggy at the moment. But we know something big is coming. We can it's probably not good. We have four or five things coming up. We have the Assassin in White is coming. We have the Everstorm comes, as that's been said. We have a lot of allusions to the Voidbringers. We have Odium has been talked about. And we have uh the final desolation has been referred to as well. So all, are all of those related? Are some of those related to each other, but not all of them? We don't really know, but there's a combination of like five or so things that we have been alluded to. We just don't know exactly what's happening. I thought it was interesting, that tidbit about like rushes of or waves of new Knights Radiant every time there's a desolation. I think Yasna and Shalon talk about that that you're talking about, Paul, is more knights either joined ranks or are awakened. I'm still unclear of, of whether, like, in the old days, did people just enlist to become a knight's radiant? Like, hey, I want to be a knight's radiant. Oh, okay, well, you're going to get assigned to this spren, and you're going to go be, you know, in this order, you know, kind of Hogwarts-style, you know, sorting hat kind of thing, or or is this more of, like, Star Wars where, you know, you, you just have these inherent you know, force powers and you get discovered by the, the order of, of Knights Radiant and they, they bring you in and initiate you. I'm, I'm real curious how that works and how this process of, you know, a new wave of recruits comes before the, the desolation, but it seems like that's what's happening. I noted as well, as Shalon and Yasna are talking, I read through this section a lot closer on the second time because I realized this is the last, potentially, the last little bit of wisdom we're going to get from Yasna ever, potentially. We'll see. But she talks about Urethiru and the Shattered Plains and how somehow they're connected. And it's all kind of vague and not really laid out in detail there. But somehow she talks about there's, there's a path and somehow perhaps there's some hidden lore or something in the shattered plains. And that doesn't seem to make any sense to me right now. Shattered, the shattered plains seems like a a pretty desolate wasteland kind of place, basically that's been destroyed by the high storms and all these chasms and, and fiends and whatnot. How can there be like a, a city or something hidden there? But sounds like that's what Yasna thought at least. So maybe Shalon's going to carry on that, 
seeking for that information, perhaps? One stop, last... stop looking at me, Paul. <laughs> looking for clues over there? Nope. Paul's deliberately looking for clues. He's staring at me. Just drinking some water. Yep. The last thing I had from Chapter 6 was Words of Radiance. We learn what the title of the book is referring to, which, interestingly, is another in-universe book of the same name. So that starts an interesting trend for me. I really like it. I think that's really awesome. Just like in general. Yeah. I, I love in the first book I loved how we were we're reading The Way of Kings and we're yeah. finding out about Dalinar who is going by the Way of Kings book, like in the book, you know? And and here I thought that was really cool that like that reveal of, Oh, you should read this. It's words of radiance. Yeah. Um, and stuff and I, I really liked that. Um I assume that's going to be a recurring trend for next next book. Um, yeah. I was going to bring that. I was going to bring that up. So, do you guys remember from the Way of Kings what Oathbringer is? It's Dalinar's sword. It is Dalinar's sword. Well, now Sadie's sword, but yes. Nah, yes, <laughs> yes. Sad so, face. does that do do you still think that's going to be recurring? That it's going to be a book specifically, or do you think? It'll be something else. I'm still on the book train. Somehow, either we don't actually know. Do we know how he named his sword? I don't think so. It'd be after the book Oathbringer, we just didn't really know. You know. I've been thinking a lot about this actually since I since I read this chapter of Words of Radiance book, Way of Kings book. Oathbringer sword like it hmm. could it could be it might not continue that trend because I'm also thinking so we won't get to the book for a long time but Rhythm of War the newest one I don't imagine there being a book called Rhythm of War I imagine I have a guess as to what that would relate to but you can guess yeah. I, you're I'm, not well, if you... I'm guessing I'm guessing it has to do with the Parshendi and their like song, and I'm guessing it's going to be a bigger war with the Parshendi at that time. Um, is my guess. So it will be in relation to that war going on, or starting maybe. So that's my that's my big thought on that. that but I, sense, I think actually. it will be. I think it will pertain to. Rhythm of War being the Persian and they're singing and stuff in and, and war. Um, not necessarily a book. Unless it's a book the Persian wrote called Rhythm of hey. War and it's how they sing together. Bold theory. Bold prediction. Mm-hmm. Big one. One that I don't even know the answer to, to be honest. <laughs> I haven't read Rhythm of War yet. Soon. You'll read it all in two days, I'm sure. Oh, I plan on it. Yeah. <laughs> as as we're That's recording good. this right now, they have done their pre-release chapters up to chapter 17 and they do pre-release chapters every Tuesday. So I have read up to chapter 17 of Rhythm of War. Nice. So can you tell me if my prediction was right yet? No, I told you I don't know. Okay. Uh-huh. Mhm, sure, sure. Mhm. Okay. 
So the other nugget of wisdom or little revelation that comes along with words of radiance is what I think 95% sure here is Shalon's order of the Knights Radiant. And that is the light weavers. Yasna says, you know, this is the book of the light weavers here. Go read and study this. I'm not a hundred percent sure that Yasna like says, Hey, you're a light weaver, but it, it seemed really obvious that that was the case. So I think we can now, now we know two people who are assigned to for sure, or mostly for sure, Orders of Night's Radiant. We have Kaladin the Windrunner, and we have Shalon the Lightweaver, I think. I was looking my way of King's book to see if it actually spells this out. Do you guys have any idea what this is? Or have you just seen this? Is that all the different like gems for each or like symbol for each uh Elliot, have you seen this order image? I've I have seen an, a reference to that and that is actually described in this chapter. So it the, is. Yasna and, and Shalon talk about the double eye of the Almighty, which I'm assuming is that picture yeah, that you're it showing. Because it, it talks about it it has the, the ten essences on it or the ten orders or it, it's not like super clear what exact referencing the ten essences, ten orders, and then they talk about like surges uh, as well in that same conversation. Cause Which, that, by the way, go ahead. That little diagram thing, that picture, is in the 10-year anniversary edition. No, the special edition. Sorry, not 10-year anniversary of The Way of Kings. But it is probably not in your mass market paperback, Elliot. Nope. And that that brings me to another thing I realized reading these chapters, I think it was that section, actually. It, I'm not exactly sure where I realized this. I realized in my mind, I've been defining surge binding incorrectly up to this point. Up, okay. up all the way through Way of Kings and through these first couple of chapters, I thought surge binding specifically meant what Kaladin and Zeth do. Their their ability to, like, the, the lashings that they do. And that I thought that, you know, breathing in the stormlight and using it to do that was surge binding. I realize now surge binding is a little bigger than that because what Shalon does with the light and soul casting is also surge binding. At least it's kind of referenced that way in these chapters. And I didn't, I had a little light bulb moment in these chapters of, oh, surge binding is not lashing. Surge binding is using stormlight to perform magic, I guess, for lack of a better, better term. But I should have realized that a while ago, I'm sure, but had a little light bulb moment in these in these chapters. Now I'm going to think about it differently. I will be completely honest. On my first read through, I was not excited that Words of Radiance was Shalon's book because I was so uninterested in Shalon at the time. So as as I was seeing her do these uh, these abilities for the first time. I didn't really think about it that much. I just kept I just kept going and listened and didn't really think about it. But I, you're right that it is defined as surge binding. So she's she's surge binding, but not like Kaladin is, or not like Zeth. Right. So right. I'm really excited for this one because it's a little more abstract of like what can she do with it? Like the illusion thing was super cool. And it seems like there's a ton of possibility with that. So I'm actually super excited. Let's see what 
Shalon will do with with her light weaving powers. Yeah, same. In chapter 7, when Shalon is trying to save some of the sailors uh, above her, she jumps into Shadesmar, but Pattern does not ask her for a truth. She le He lets her go to Shadesmar without a truth. So we have some new rules here of sometimes when you go to Shadesmar deliberately, you need a truth. Sometimes you don't because you've already, quote, given enough. So any thoughts on this, on what these new rules are? If there are any rules, if Pattern just makes it up as he goes? I assume Pattern kind of made it happen because doesn't he say, I will intercede? For the ship, for the ship, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. That's what I was thinking because she's like all stressed out and won't summon her sword. And he's like, I will intercede, and so they go. And so I just assumed it was him. He he can he can pull her to shades more. Was my assumption, but she couldn't go there on her own unless she like said a truth or a lie. I too. I'm really confused by this because we saw Yasna go to Shadesmar prologue and she didn't have to like share a truth either. So obviously she wasn't following those same rules to, to travel to Shadesmar and, and do her version of, of soul casting. But I'd assume that Shalon still was going to have to, that she still had to follow that rule with her, her lie spren, her cryptic. But I was really confused when that was not the case here. When, like you said, Trevor, Pattern says you have given enough and takes her. And now, now I'm now I'm really confused. What what, what is the rule? What what is the requirement to go to to Shadesmar? I I could not figure it out from this chapter. Brandon Sanderson, in one of his lectures on uh, intro to fictional writing, it's his freshman BYU class. Uh, he. He talks about soft magic systems and hard magic systems. And I've brought this up on the podcast before that in the Lord of the Rings, there's, there's both there's Gandalf who can has these strange shady magic that nobody really knows the rules of it. Sometimes he uses magic. Sometimes he doesn't. And then you have the one ring, which has clear specific rules. It will turn you invisible, but it also will corrupt your mind and it will bring the ring race close to you. Those are the, that's the rules of the ring. So here, we assume that it's some sort of hard magic system. We just don't know the rules. So Kaladin's, Kaladin's search binding and all, all search binding we've seen so far has specific limitations, has specific rules on how to use it, what it can do, that type of thing. We just don't know the rules yet for, for Shallans. The, the one rule that does seem consistent so far across the board is Stormlight. It seems like every time they use magic again for lack of a better term here magic they spend stormlight and shallan does this too and her you know the spheres in her bag mysteriously lose their light but here in this moment too is also described as all the spheres that are like rolling around on the deck she breathes the stormlight in from from those and so that does seem to be the one consistent rule here is you got to spend some stormlight to do magical stuff the question how do you do this stuff? And we've learned a lot about how Kaladin and Zeth do their stuff. Not so sure about Shalon yet. 
I remember thinking on my very first read of The Way of Kings, I thought about the weeping. So if you remember, the way that Brandon Sanderson has set up this world, it's a thousand day year, basically. And at the end of the year, there's a two week period with no high storms. So at some point, they're going to run out of stormlight because there'll be no high storms during the year. So there's an interesting limitation for our Knights Radiant who now require Stormlight. So I I remember thinking that would be a plot device in the Way of Kings, that they would get to like uh, the weeping and Kaladin couldn't use a surge binding. Didn't happen. But I I remember thinking that. That that would be a cool limitation for your for your magic. Yeah, certainly. Be a good time for the Voidbringers to uh show up and invade stop looking at me paul every time elliot says something fishy <laughs> paul's eyes weren't st- straight to my camera instantly instantly i am guilty guilty as charged <laughs> all right any closing thoughts on this episode i think we've covered it fairly well These were really exciting. I have to say, I was not at all expecting Yasna to die, um, and I I thought it was like a really good story moment, just because I feel like we haven't had anyone major die, and I felt like it was pretty fitting, even though I was honestly sad and a little confused. But you know, we'll we'll get through that. Just to just iron it out going forward, Paul. You do think she's dead? Mm-hmm. Elliot, yes or no? I I guess I'll quantify it as I think she's not dead in the sense that I think her mind is in Shadesmar. Her body may be dead, but I think her mind is in Shadesmar and Shalon saw some of it as she was there. Okay. For the record, on my first read-through, I didn't think she was dead. I thought this was way too easy of a cop-out death that Shalon, or Yasna did have too much plot armor for this and i thought she would she would come back all right we can we can end it there unless you guys have anything else things are things are happening i it, yeah i don't think we had nearly as momentous of events in the first half probably of of way of kings and here we are in chapter seven and we've had a pretty earth-shattering moment so things are moving this is one of my shortest episodes in a while too and uh Mm-hmm. No big deal. Yasna died. Yeah, Yasna <laughs> died. Moving on. Yeah. Right. Eh, next, next, next episode. You know, next chapter. But yeah, <laughs> big stuff already. I'm excited for what's next. Crazy. Yeah, me too. This is also just the beginning of the book. And Yasna has some a major character has seemingly died, which is pretty brutal, in all honesty. So. Alrighty, well, let's keep reading and we will reconvene next week. Thanks for joining me, Paul and Elliot. Until we meet again. Ditto. <laughs>